Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Open World Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Megan Gerard. She's the owner of MappingMegan.com. She's been traveling for about nine years now, really inspiring, hardworking lady. Uh, together with her husband, she's been traveling full-time now for about three years. She owns the website MappingMegan.com, which started out as a personal hobby site. And So, Meg Gerard, I just wanted to welcome you to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I'd, I'd like you to, in your own words, uh, introduce yourself to me and to listener. Tell me about your backstory and uh, what you've been up to. Yeah, for sure. Well, obviously, my name's Megan, and I'm, if you can tell by the accent, from over here in Australia. Um, so I started traveling when I was 18. Um, I finished high school, and I did what's very popular for people to do here in Australia. Took a gap year, so I spent 12 months working as a teaching assistant in the UK, and that really opened my eyes to, I guess, the possibilities and the excitement and adventure that comes from travel, and I just fell head over heels in love, I guess, got bitten by the travel bug, to use that cliche. Um, yeah, so I got back from my year abroad. We had kind of 17 weeks in between working in the UK, um, like 17 weeks of holidays where we could travel all throughout Europe. And I got home and I just didn't want to accept that my reality meant that I couldn't travel anymore. So I started university as, I guess, the rules of life dictate. Um, the rules of life, we're kind of like born with this kind of um, mindset that we go to school, we go through university, we get married, we have kids, and then we have a career and we live our lives, that kind of thing. But like, I didn't want to accept that that had to be my reality. So um, throughout five years of university, traveled as much as I possibly could. I worked two jobs as well as studying full time so that I was traveling every semester break. I think I even cut a couple of weeks off the start and end of semesters and just kind of um, caught up online because I was overseas. And yeah, that was really the, I guess, start of this huge travel bug for me, which is now pretty much completely taken over my life. Um, so I met my husband while I was traveling and I guess, um, he, so we were both traveling solo at that stage and it's a little bit of a different story. So Mike is from America and I'm from Australia. And so everybody asks, they're like, so he's from America, you're from Australia, where did you meet? And we always get very shocked responses when we say Africa. Um, so we met in Tanzania after having both climbed Kilimanjaro and we just decided, we hit it off and we decided that the distance shouldn't be an issue which keeps, like, which means that we can't be together. So we started traveling to keep our relationship alive, basically. We kept meeting up in different parts of the world. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, um, just kept going on from there. So we were married in Hawaii uh, about a year and a half after we met. And then we've been traveling full time ever since then. Your story reminds me a little bit about, uh, a little bit of Johnny Ward. Do you know Johnny? I've heard of him. Yes. He's, yeah. um, the Irishman. He, he took kind of like a gap year or something like that and, um, you know, took some time off to travel and he became addicted, but he had, um, a default path ahead of him. Like he wanted to, to, to get a finance degree and uh, start a career in finance, and um, and then he realized like I can never go back to this. Did you feel like you had a default path ahead of you that you had to kind of reject? 
Kind of. Well, in a way, like I, I don't necessarily see it as rejecting. I just see it as choosing a different path. Um, so I studied journalism and law in university and it's, it's very amusing because everybody's first reaction when they hear that, they always jump to, oh, so which part of law are you going to specialise in? And it's funny now that now that this blog, this travel blog, is my full-time income, technically I'm using the journalism portion of my degree. So I think it's just choosing a different life path as opposed to rejecting the other one. The, like my law degree will always be there if I decide in a couple of years that it's now the right time for me kind of thing. But yeah, right now I'm just kind of choosing the path that makes the most sense. Do you ever wonder if you're missing out on certain things by uh, embracing this lifestyle? Not really, um, because I'm happy in where, I, where I'm at. I'm following my dreams and I'm doing something that I'm truly passionate about and that I truly love. And if other people are doing, like I can look at friends who came up through university at the same time as me and they might have their corner office and if that's what they're passionate about and what they love to do then that's fantastic but you can't have it you can't have it both ways so I'm quite happy in knowing that I'm doing what I love for right now and who knows that might change um, further down the line but I'll never regret making the choices that I made to kind of um, pursue this lifestyle. And so you've been through over 35 countries is that right and you just returned from two weeks trekking the outback uh, yes. Tell me a little bit, tell me more about your travels, tell me uh, about some of your favorite experiences. Um, so by far, I guess our favorite country in the world would be Iceland because that's just, will blow your mind with the landscapes there straight from, out of the pages of a fairy tale book. It's just an unbelievable country. We took a car in Iceland and we drove, there's a ring road that circles the whole kind of the, the whole island and we just drove and it's so off the beaten path and untouristy and it's just completely wild and untouched and I guess it just teaches us the main thing travel and these kind of experiences has taught me is that there you can like enjoy life like we're truly happy and we're truly waking up each morning and just have this zest for wanting to get the day started kind of thing so I guess the biggest thing that our adventures and being able to travel has taught me is that there's no there are no rules to life and reality is negotiable like you don't have to accept that your reality must be going going to school, getting married, having a kid. If that's not what you want to do, then choose a different path. Um, if that is what you want to do, that's fantastic too. But the biggest thing our travels have taught me is that reality is negotiable and there are no rules to life. So you really can just pursue a path that you're most passionate about. And yeah, Iceland was definitely one of those places that just completely blew us away. I've heard you say that a couple of times, that, that uh, saying reality is negotiable. Is that kind of your, like your life ethos, would you say? Yeah, it's kind of turned into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I never, I never really had the idea that I would be kind of pursuing this lifestyle. Like I always had the, I guess you would call it a normal life plan, that you would kind of go into a law degree and you would get married and buy a house and that kind of stuff. But like it just happened this way and you get a lot of people who don't understand that lifestyle choice because they are so brought up in the pattern of believing what has to happen in life and that there's only one set way to live. But we've truly realised that you can change that. So I guess it has kind of turned into my ethos, if you want to call it that, um, <laughs> just kind of making people realise that it's fine to break out of your comfort zone and there's nothing wrong with pursuing a path that's different to what society, like what normally fits that societal mould. You mentioned something you said, a lifestyle choice. Is it really as simple as making a choice? Because I have people that um, 
you know, I've had maybe a dozen people just email me this week who to tell me about their story and, you know, they tell me what they want, but then I, I give them some advice and it's like they don't do it. You know, it's yeah, like absolutely. They're, they're not willing to do anything. Like they're, they're, it, if it really is as simple as a choice, then um, more people would be doing this, right? Like, I honestly do believe it's as simple as a choice. And, but the thing about that is that actually deciding to go is the hardest part. And it's funny because you mentioned like people email me for advice as well. And it's funny because it sounds so simple, but I do tell people the first thing you have to do is you have to actually decide to go. You have to actually decide to change your life because you can have all the tools and resources and tips at your fingertips and you can know how to do everything. But until you've actually made that decision and said, yes, I'm going to commit to this because it is something you have to commit to. If you need to save the money, then you have to commit to it. And you're not actually going to be motivated to do that until you've actually sat down I guess, mapped everything out and made the decision and actually physically said to yourself, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, this is happening. So it is, it does sound simple when it comes down to the choice, but I do believe that that is the hardest part because it's very safe in your comfort zone. And it's very easy to like dream about this and say to someone, I wish I had your life or I wish I could do this, but you actually have to make it happen. And I want to make a caveat here because you actually do work very hard for this lifestyle. I mean, you work as hard as anyone I've seen, just to say. Yeah, and absolutely. I've, I've, learned, I've learned a ton from you. So it's, it's, I just want to say that, you know, you're a really hardworking woman. I mean, you're very smart. I mean, um, it's not something that you could just, you know, expect to come easily, I think, right? No, definitely. Like it is. So for instance, if you're talking about um, earning a living online, it is definitely one of those things that you need to put out effort into um, in advance of reaping the returns. So for instance, when I started this blog and after I decided that I wanted to turn it into a business so that I could work online and travel the world kind of at our leisure, um, I maybe put in a year of work to building an audience and creating the content and putting myself in a position where advertisers would come and invest in me. So it's definitely one of those industries where you need to put in maybe eight months to a year worth of effort without reaping any rewards. But I always like to think of that as kind of you do the things that other people won't so that you live the life that other people can't. And that saying has really stuck with me kind of throughout the last few years because in, in trying to achieve a lifestyle like this, it is a lot of hard work and people do need to be realistic about that before they kind of jump into it. So when I was starting my blog for that first year, I was working full-time. Obviously, you need to pay the bills as well as putting in full-time hours to try and build up this platform. But you do, if you do remain dedicated and you do have proper strategies to put in place, you will reap the rewards down the line. It's just one of those things where you need to kind of put in the hard work to put yourself in a position to be able to then um, take advantage of the benefits. Yeah, and strategies is one of the things I really want to talk with you about here. Um, and I want to know, like, I want to ask you how you're able to grow this from a personal hobby where you were just blogging on this uh, site. What, what was it, like a type pad site where you were blogging? It's called Where in the World is Megan Claire? Yeah, so um, that was, gosh, I've been going through those posts and I can't believe like that I put my family through that. They were like these 2,000-word <laughs> long diary entry blog posts that were like going on about how beautiful the sun looked and it was horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Games, huh? I know. <laughs> but so, yeah, so it was just kind of, I started out with my blog in that gap year that I took, which was 2007. And it was mainly just to keep my family and friends and mum and dad back home aware of what I was doing, let them know I was still alive, all that kind of fun stuff. But then I was sat next to, so I then in a couple of years later in 2012, I was flying home to Australia from the States and I was seated next to this um, gentleman called Gary Arndt. 
and he is one of the biggest travel bloggers. And I had no idea of that at the time, and I had no idea that this was a career path that people made money from or that people were doing. I had no idea it was a thing kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, just kind of general chit-chat to him and then not knowing that he was kind of at the top of the top. At the time, I kind of thought to myself, well, if this guy sitting next to me can do it, like, why can't I? I can do this too kind of thing. And I think seeing someone who was actually living that kind of a lifestyle and putting in doing that kind of work really inspired me to change it from a hobby blog into something that could make money and into something that would attract advertisers and into something that I guess would largely become a career. And you've gotten some great perks uh, ever since that. I know that you've gotten sponsored trips. Your first one was, I think, two weeks in uh, Central and South America, right? Yes, yes. So, um, Can you we tell about some answered... of the perks and uh, some of the benefits of this journey or some of the high points? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the, a couple of, when I started the blog, my main aim was to, that if I could create something that a couple of people would read and that would kind of prolong our travels a little bit and maybe help us out with a little bit of money, I'd be totally happy. Um, so everything that's kind of followed has completely blown my expectations. As you mentioned, the first trip that we went on, which was a sponsored trip by Doubletree by Hilton. So they sent us on a two-week trip around Central America to visit their properties. So we flew to Costa Rica, Panama, and Peru, and we'll put up in their properties. Um, so we were doing social media promotion, um, promoting their brand, that kind of thing. And that was a fully paid press trip. So we will paid for our time on top of all of the travel expenses. And obviously that's a major perk of this kind of lifestyle. It does come with, obviously, the work that you put in. You are out there traveling during the day, and then by night you come back and you maybe put in kind of six hours of work doing kind of editing photos, editing videos, writing the content, actually making sure that you're getting that balance of keeping your readers engaged while producing good work for the brand. But it is definitely a perk. Um, Travel is one of the reasons that I created this kind of blog and um, different travel opportunities that have come from that. So in a couple of weeks, I'm very excited heading to China um, for another campaign, and that's with the Qinghai Tourism Board. So we'll be promoting kind of lesser-known regions throughout China. And, yeah, travel is definitely a perk. Like, um, as I said, it does come with hard work, but that's why we got into it. So, <laughs> can, you, can you walk me through your process a little bit? Like, how do you uh, find that opportunity in China? And then what do you just send them, like a press kit or uh, something like this? So a lot of the things that a lot of the places we reach out to, we actually prefer to um, organize our own press trips, myself, my husband. So, for instance, we'll plan out where we want to go and then we'll reach out to individual companies like individual hotels or individual car dealerships and organize it that way. Um, But in terms of actual press trips that are organized by people, they usually um, those opportunities come to us. So they usually email And um, that's from kind of putting, I guess, once again, putting yourself in a position to hear about these kind of opportunities. So signing up for press releases, networking with as many people as possible. That's both um, networking with PR firms and marketing people, as well as with other bloggers, because bloggers do tend to share these kind of opportunities between themselves as well. So, yeah, we, um, in terms of us reaching out, we'll usually send individual companies like our media kit. Um, Otherwise, we'll give them a call on the phone and just see if they're interested in working with travel bloggers. Um, but in terms of big press trips, they usually have um, the company will usually email us. Okay, so they usually just find you through uh, searching or through some social media like Facebook, something like that. 
Yeah, usually through like social media or someone might have um, told them about us. So once again, that's just trying to put yourself in the best position for that by networking with as many people as you can. Um, and then we have a media page set up on our website so that anybody who does um, want to check us out before contacting us has all of our information kind of at their fingertips. They have all of our statistics. They have all of our social media accounts and they can see the kind of work that we've produced and what kind of partnerships we're interested in. When you say network, what's your preferred avenue? I mean, are you meeting these people in real life, or is this through uh, social media, email, this kind of stuff? Um, mainly, my networking is online, and then mm-hmm. through that, I've um, through online networking, um, whether that's via social media with other bloggers or um, via, I guess, email groups and that kind of thing. Through that, I then develop stronger relationships, and then if we're in different countries at the same time as other people, then we'll meet up. But generally, my first point of networking is online, and Facebook forums have been a fantastic um, opportunity for that. And you're actually the admin for several forums here, and um, I want to ask you more yes. about that. But, but first, um, I want to ask you, so like, I remember reading a post recently, I mean, there's a bunch of travel bloggers out there, obviously, and um, a lot of them are kind of posting similar content. Um, I, I noticed that uh, Mark Manson, he, he answered on Quora, uh, where he said that most blogs don't have significant readership, and a lot of them, uh, most of those don't make money, I guess. Yep. Um, so how were you able to, to get to the point where you were able to, I guess, um, earn a living from this? And I know you have a lot that you're doing on social media, like I just mentioned on Facebook, you on Pinterest, Instagram. Um, can, can, you, can you walk me through that a little more uh, before we... Yeah, absolutely. Well, like, I think the biggest thing is if you're starting a blog with the aim of monetizing it, know which monetization strategy is you're going to aim for. Like, the biggest thing of creating a full-time income through blogging is to diversify your income streams so that, for instance, mm-hmm. if one income stream dries up, you have something to fall back on. But you should also always be building your blog with the priority of putting it in the best position for the, the income stream you're aiming for. So, for instance, my biggest in- income stream right now is for sponsored posts. Um, so, in terms of that, you want to make sure that all of your content is very engaging, you keep your readers engaged, but it also um, looks great for brands and that kind of thing. Whereas, if your main income stream is affiliate marketing, you're going to want to know that from the start so that you can set your website up with that aim. Um, so I think the biggest thing for monetization also, like with us, our biggest income is sponsored posts right now, as I mentioned, and that was pretty much, that was kind of a rolling ball effect. So the first person reached out to me and you do a good job. And then that one person sees that there's promotional content on your website and that it looks great and that people have been engaging with it. They then bring you on to, um, to promote their company. And it's kind of, I kind of saw a rolling ball effect happen. So after we did a couple, then a couple more came in and then a couple more, and then we're getting quite a lot each month. And then we were getting enough to kind of sustain ourselves, and which allowed me to quit my job. So I think as long as you have an idea and a goal of how you're making money, every decision you make about your website will um, kind of be based around that. Like you'll be able to make a decision about your website based on whether it meets your monetization goals. Okay. And so what are you offering uh, when you do these sponsored posts? Do you, you, you publish these articles on your Twitter account? You, know, you have over 100,000 followers on Twitter. You have uh, 10,000 followers on Pinterest. You have a bunch of uh, different channels that you've been building up. Uh, can, you, can you walk me through a little bit more about how you, uh, what you offer them? And um, I, I guess it, how much do you charge per sponsored post? Is it like $350 or $250, something like that? 
Yeah, around that. So we're always happy to negotiate on a price. We have a set template which starts at around $350 um, for a blog post and then all of those posts are promoted across our social media channels. Um, all are, We're always happy to negotiate on price because different clients have different budgets and that kind of thing. But, yeah, so we offer a blog post which it might either be directly promotional or it might be indirectly promotional um, in that they might just want a link included um, in the post which people can click through to their website and find the product kind of thing, or they might want a whole promotional review. Um, and then, so that's a blog post. And then we share those blog posts across our social media channels. So as you mentioned, it goes out over Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, we do see, we do have a couple of companies that come to us and only want social media promotion. And usually we charge anywhere between a hundred to $200 for, for instance, like one Facebook post or one tweet or one Instagram post and that kind of thing. Um, so it's definitely, yeah, so that's our main income stream at the moment. As I said, though, it is important to kind of diversify your income streams. So, for instance, blogging is one of those industries where I could do an amazing month this month, but next month I might not have anything at all. So it is important to have, I guess, multiple income streams. So I also do a lot of freelance writing in months where sponsored posts are kind of going a little bit slower, and that covers up and keeps the year flowing smoothly, I guess, in terms of income. Gotcha. Um, and so how much, uh, as far as like the, the blog goes and uh, cause I'm, I'm working on all these different, I've learned so much from, first of all, I've learned so much from you about social media. Um, you taught me about, uh, you introduced me to mass planner, which was amazing. I thought it was the best thing ever. Uh, <laughs> that is good. That's great. <laughs> I, I've been following you on Pinterest. I've, I've been following you on Instagram. Um, I'm trying to kind of grow my accounts to have a similar level of success because I feel like, uh, I've, I've kind of reached not just in blogging, but in a lot of ways in my life, like I've kind of reached a plateau, you know, where um, I'll hit a traffic ceiling or something like this. Uh, and I want to get, you know, I want to grow, to continue to grow up, but I, I kind of get stuck. Uh, yep. So what's, what's been effective for you, like growing your blog from like, you know, 100, 200 visits a day to 1,000, 2,000 visits a day? I think like Pinterest was that big break for me. So I was at the same. I was kind of like, I guess a I'm year still, ago, I was I'm still like trying to plateauing. Out what I'm doing with Pinterest, you know. I know. Like I was the same. So Pinterest was one of the last social medias that I got on because I could not figure it out and I just didn't want to deal with it. Um, but then all these people were talking in the Facebook forums about how it's the most amazing thing that happened to their blog and all of that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to put two days aside. I'm not going to do anything else but I'm going to figure out this Pinterest thing. And it was amazing. It completely broke the ceiling for me in terms of that plateau you were talking about. Like when you're at a certain amount, whether you're at kind of like a thousand visits a day or whatever, and you want to, you just cannot break that ceiling. Pinterest, seriously, like it's phenomenal. It's seen phenomenal growth um, right now. So we've been on a very, for a very short time in terms of kind of aiming to bring in traffic, but we might be seeing anywhere between six to 700 visits a day just from that one social media. So highly recommend Pinterest as an amazing traffic source of traffic for anybody um, blogging at all. So it's, it, there is a steep learning curve to it, but it is absolutely worthwhile. And in terms of breaking that ceiling, that's definitely one place to focus your kind of time and energy. That's funny. You mentioned you spent two days. I think I spent about two months trying to, <laughs> trying to get myself to stick to it. See, but when I say two days, I mean like a full 16-hour sit down in one day and then the next day a full 16-hour, like, yeah. <laughs> I've been kind of dabbling with it. Like every Monday or so, I'll, I'll have it on my schedule, you know, I need to try to reach out to a couple of group boards and uh, 
pins yep. and pins. And I think I've only gotten about, I have about 130 pins so far. I've only gotten about 50 visits so far from, uh, to my website from Pinterest. Um, it's something that grows slowly though. Yeah. I'm the opposite. If I, um, if I finally decide I'm finally going to do this, I just sit down until I've done it. <laughs> so, so what are the biggest things to focus on? If, um, if you want to succeed in Pinterest, do you need to be pinning every single day. Do you need to spend the time to create, uh, these big vertical images? I mean, are you, do you, do you post your posts to multiple boards and stuff like this? Can you walk me through your strategy a little bit? Yeah. So the biggest thing when I was starting out, the very first thing to do was to get, I guess, some like get your own boards focused. So have an idea for your account, like obviously know the niche of your account, which mine is obviously travel. So I set up my own boards, pinned a bunch of stuff so that my profile looked okay. And it was, had color and that kind of thing. And then the first thing was to join group boards in your niche. So that was the very first thing I did, um, joined a bunch. And the thing is anybody can see which group boards you're on. So um, my tip would be to identify someone who's very successful in your niche and then try and join as many of the group boards that they've joined because, and that's what I did. Um, so then after that, um, I started optimizing my blog for Pinterest. So for every single post I put up on my website, people will notice now that there are two vertical images with text that they can choose from with the title that they can pin directly to Pinterest. And like, honestly, that might take me two hours some nights to do just that Pinterest image, which is a pain and it's frustrating, but the traffic really does come in from it. Um, so that's kind of what I put my effort into too, is optimizing my, um, optimizing each post on my website for Pinterest, having a pinnable image there for people to put directly over. And then I pin those same images that I create across group boards as well. And group boards is where I've seen the majority of my traffic come in from, because you might only have like a hundred followers on Pinterest, but if you're part of a group board that has a reach of a hundred thousand, you're going to get traffic from that. See, I think the biggest thing is putting effort into creating quality pins and quality content. Um, and even if that takes you two hours per post, like the traffic, I found that the traffic is worth worthwhile. I remember uh, posting a question this in a Facebook group recently. I was just feeling frustrated about Pinterest, and one lady said that it, it took her about two years to get momentum with Pinterest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's definitely something like. I think it's definitely one of those things that it, the, how am I trying to say this? The um, success that you see from it is reflective of the time that you put in, um, in a way. So like, um, I am now pinning every day. I'm doing it through a, an app called Tailwind, which is fantastic. Cause I can just spend maybe like 20 minutes at, in the morning and just schedule a bunch of stuff. And then that'll go out at intervals throughout the day. And then because I'm pinning throughout the day, I see um, quite a lot of, um, I guess, traffic back in that kind of sense. Yeah, I've heard about Tailwind. I think it's similar to Board Booster. That's the one I was introduced to. Okay. Uh, yeah, where it just um, it does automated pinning. But I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that. Like, um, it, it, you know, I don't want to, um, like, post too often, I guess. Well, it's exactly so. Tailwind's fantastic. It's, okay. it's exactly like scheduling a, pin, a post for Facebook or scheduling a Twitter or something for Twitter. It's just literally so you put the pin in, you choose which boards it goes to, and you put in your descriptions and that kind of stuff. And then you you have a calendar that you've personally set, so you choose exactly when pins go out each day. So I have like it goes out once every something goes out once every half hour, and you can move pins around and that kind of thing in your calendar to tell it when exactly when you want each pin to go out if you want. So it's exactly Exactly like scheduling a Facebook post or scheduling a tweet. It's just scheduling pins. Gotcha. So you can actually send one post out to multiple boards. Is that right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, I put, so I load my one pin in, I might like pick 16 boards to send that one pin to, and it'll send one pin to one board at 12 o'clock, the next pin, the same pin to the next board at like 12.30. And you can shuffle it up and include all of like different content in between all that stuff but it just does it gradually for you so that you're not kind of spamming your feed and doing it all at once. Gotcha. I'm, I'm really glad I could ask you these questions about Pinterest because I've been trying to figure this out. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I kind okay. of make it up as I go and then whatever works I stick with. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's Tailwind that you mentioned, tailwindapp.com. And I think they have yes. a free trial, right? Yep. So there's a free trial. Um, I'm paying, I think it's like $9 a month. Which, like, at the start, when I, when I wasn't making money from my blog, I was blatantly against kind of um, paying for anything. But after I started realizing that kind of you do need to, I guess, spend a little bit of money to be able to put yourself in a position to make money, um, that's one of the apps that I've started paying for. And it's completely worthwhile, and it's really helped boost my Pinterest. Excellent. That's funny. You reminded me of a story where you said you don't want to spend money because I'm making money. Um, you know, Hotmail, the email server? Yes. Uh, yeah. They, they wanted to, to spend money on a big uh, billboard on the highway somewhere, and the investors were like, "Why should we spend money to advertise on something that's free, basically?" <laughs> yeah, that's and, a, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> in some cases, it doesn't it doesn't seem like a good business decision, but I think in this case, uh, nine dollars is very reasonable. Nine dollars a month is amazing, and especially if you're um, so a lot of people. And I haven't started this yet because affiliate. I haven't really put a lot of effort into affiliate marketing um, yet on my website. But especially if you've got posts that are set up with affiliate links to make you money, and you're strategically putting out content to try and draw traffic to that post, then nine dollars a month is completely, absolutely worthwhile. Yeah, but I find a lot of people are kind of abusing that because I see posts with like uh, three thousand repins. And the article is like uh, 200 words long with like an affiliate link and just like very little value. Yeah, probably. But then they're making money from it. So <laughs> it, shows you, it shows you the power, I guess, of a very good quality pin. Awesome. So walk, uh, walk me through a couple other ones. Uh, I mean, you introduced me to, to Mass Planner and now uh, Tailwind. Um, are there some other apps and software that uh, have been working for you that you're big on? Um, I think those are actually pretty much the two main ones. I actually don't pay for a lot of kind of help or apps, um, and I don't really have a virtual assistant either. I pretty much do everything myself um, because I've always been of the opinion, like this is just me, um, but I've always been of the opinion that I put in like time instead of money to try and, I guess, boost my accounts and boost my social media and stuff. Um, I was using Crowdfire, which is very similar to Mass Planner, but then I heard about Mass Planner, so I jumped over to that. Um, yeah, those are pretty much the only two apps that I pay consistently for. I've purchased a couple of, I guess, um, plugins and themes for the website. Um, so Revive Old Posts is a plugin that you can use for WordPress, which tweets out your old posts automatically. And I purchased, there's a fantastic, like, extra add-on. It's like the premium version, and it tweets it out with the photos. So I now have automatic posts going out to Twitter with the photos and because you see kind of 20% more engagement when you have a photo tweet out there. So I paid like $50 for that as a one-off fee and that's fantastic. That's the best money I've ever spent. But yeah, generally I think, um, yeah, when it comes to me, I pretty much only have those three or four. I keep it very light on the expenditure side. Yeah, I have a revival post too and I, I've been using it on uh, Facebook as well and I noticed that the Facebook posts, don't nobody sees them. Uh, but, but Twitter uh, seems to be more effective. 
Uh, yeah, I have, I've only used it for Twitter. I haven't really used it for anything else. <laughs> I, I'm using Triber too, and I don't know how much traffic I actually get through Twitter. I know it's that's quite low, but um, one thing I like to do often is um, if I'm interviewing someone, I'll I'll put their Twitter handle in the post title, and um, when I get I get like a hundred retweets through Triber, and yep. uh, suddenly like you know they'll get a hundred notifications that the the post went live, something like this, and they get super impressed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So they think you're. You're huge, like uh, Ink.com yeah. or something. <laughs> when you get that point. Yeah, no, I've like got that down pat too. <laughs> it works really well, especially for like a sponsored post because you have, and then like if the sponsor asks, I'll tell them. I'll just say I'm part of a network where I like I. It's a reciprocal tweeting agreement. I tweet out other people's content, and then like a hundred influencers will tweet your stuff, and they're like really impressed. So <laughs> it works well. I think my reach is like 68 million on Triber, and they get. It sounds really impressive. So <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a really great way to kind of just get anyone's attention and, um, you know, make them think that it's getting better reach, even though that's, you know, a lot of people don't uh, click through to those tweets, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so let me ask you, um, you mentioned time. I know that you're, one thing I was really impressed by is that you're very active on Facebook. You, you manage a lot of different Facebook groups. Uh, can you tell me, like, uh, what's what's your strategy with that? Because I know you have uh, the We Travel, We Blog group. That's how I found out about you. Um, you have a couple of Pinterest groups. I, I think a lot of people are curious about how to manage Facebook groups because that seems to be uh, at the top of a lot of people's minds recently. For sure. Well, um, basically with Facebook groups, so when I wake up every morning, um, I don't know how other people do it, but I just, like, I go to my notifications and I open every single notification that I've got overnight and... I deal with it right then and there because otherwise you're going to forget about it. You're going to lose track of things and it's just not organized otherwise. So wake up every morning, go through my notifications and deal with each one as it comes up and just try and get through that as quickly as possible. And then, yeah, just I uh, think there are so many different Facebook forums out there and it is very hard to keep track if you are, if you are part of quite a lot of them. Um, but so for those, for those Facebook groups that I'm in that I don't manage and that I don't really keep up with, I just turn off notifications because otherwise it gets too clogged. But the ones that I am in, I keep on my favorites bar, which is just on the left. And I click into them each day, kind of do a quick scan of what's going on. Um, yeah. And just kind of biggest tip would be dealing with those notifications, like as they pop up. And we, we mentioned Mass Planner uh, earlier. It's kind of like automated. It does a lot of different automated features. Do you use that to schedule uh, postings on Facebook? I use so I use Mass Planner for scheduling group Facebook posts. Right. But in terms of Facebook posts to my page, like to the Mapping Megan page, I do that through Facebook itself because it's just quick. It's quicker and easier. Um, but definitely, Mass Planner is fantastic for posting to Facebook groups. So, for instance, the Pinterest groups that you mentioned before, that goes out every day. So instead of me actually physically having to be at the computer every night at 11 o'clock to kind of post the same thing, I have that all set up and scheduled through Mass Planner. And you can do, like, daily and weekly postings, right, to your Facebook group? Yeah, so you can pretty much do whatever you want with Mass Planner, which is why it's so fantastic. So I can – all I have is – I just had to set up once, and I've just got kind of a post for every day, and then I just tick a box saying repost weekly, and it – goes out and I don't have to kind of touch it again so it's pretty good like that and that's that's kind of something that I want to learn about because I have a Facebook group as well and I want to keep people in the group engaged I want to keep them interacting I want the, the group to kind of come to life and um, I'm just kind of scratching my head like you know like I know some people do like you do weekly posts where uh, you'll do a post every Friday you'll do a post every Monday some stuff like this um, can you tell me what what we're doing and what's worked well for you as far as like keeping the group active and um, effective I guess 
I think one of the biggest things is being there yourself to reply to people and, like, to keep it active yourself. So, yeah, if you see that there's a lull posting something like, even if it's a how is everyone doing this weekend, like a, one of those kind of posts to try to, like, engage the community. Even though, like, our We Travel, We Blog community is about technical aspects of blogging, every now and then we'll kind of, like, run a thread just to get to know each other a bit more because that fosters a greater sense of community if you kind of know each know one another and it's kind of a smaller click if that makes sense um yeah so it's i think the biggest thing is being on there and trying to engage with people like yourself as an admin um and then also as you mentioned like giving them something to look forward to each week that everyone knows what time it's coming out each week so we have like a free for all friday thread in the we travel we blog group where everyone can share whatever they've published that week or whatever they want to promote everyone knows knows that that comes out every Friday, so they go to it to put their posts in and have a look through what everyone else has been doing, that kind of thing. So I think some kind of, even if it's a little tiny bit of structure, just kind of like providing that and also, yeah, being there and engaging and stuff yourself. And I remember joining uh, We Travel, We Blog. I mean, it's a great group that you put together. You've, you've gotten a lot of uh, pretty impressive names in the blogging community in this group, in this community that you've built up. Uh, I remember being really impressed by the quality of, of people in that group and the engagement. Yeah, well, it started out with, so four of us actually started the group, like, when we were just beginner bloggers, so it's been fantastic that we can kind of, we've been able to kind of, like, I guess, step up and attract so many different kind of people throughout the different levels of blogging and form this kind of a community. Um, I guess from the original four, I'm the only one left who's adminning, Um, but yeah, it's been a fantastic journey and it's kind of turned into a fantastic group. Do you recommend to others who want to um, kind of, because you said you're, you're big on networking and um, that's been a big part of your success. Do you recommend this to other people to kind of set up this kind of community within their niche? And uh, I, I don't know, is, 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 would you recommend that as, as kind of a part, big part Yeah, of absolutely. Like I would definitely, like to start networking, I would definitely join existing groups um, just to start with. And then if you feel like there's, and then if, I th- if you feel there's something that you can provide for people or you want to set up a community of your own, you can then kind of in- invite people from other communities to come and join yours as well. So definitely check out the Facebook forums that are out there for your niche first and then kind of like go from there because there could already be something which is exactly what you're looking to set up, which may not, I guess, draw people over as much. So if you can, I guess, see what's out there, set up something unique, then you're going to have a better success rate of kind of creating a new community. Awesome. And so how, um, how about uh, Instagram and Twitter? How, um, how's that been working out for you and what's kind of your overall plan when it comes to that? Because I know that you don't, um, at least on your Instagram, I mean, you don't have any advertising on your Instagram. Is that right? Um, I do like maybe once a month, once every two months, we might like put up an advertisement on Instagram, but in general, it's kind of, and like we do it pretty, we like to think we do it pretty well because obviously you, you didn't catch it. <laughs> um, so yeah, in that it's keeping readers engaged and it's not too overly like blatantly in your face promotion or that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, otherwise we keep Instagram just for kind of, um, as a tool to document our trips, which we use for, as kind of a perk for sponsored trips that we go on. So for instance, if Doubletree, like when Doubletree sent us to Central America, we'd put up photos from that trip and tag all the Doubletree hotels and that kind of thing. So Instagram is, we see as more of a perk for, um, prolonging our travels kind of thing and gaining those kind of sponsored trips as opposed to necessarily, um, pushing advertising. Um, and then Twitter, we set up the main draw from Twitter is the traffic that it brings back. 
um, to our website. We've, we have run a couple of Twitter chats kind of over the time, which bring in a little bit of income, but the main, our main goal with Twitter was traffic to the website. So with Twitter, you're kind of pushing a lot harder, uh, to drive people to your site with, yep, with Instagram, there's kind of a backlash if you, you try too hard, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> so Twitter, like the difference between Twitter and Instagram, Twitter, a tweet, the life of a tweet is pretty much 25 seconds and then everyone's <laughs> going to see it because everyone follows so many people. Um, whereas Instagram, you're getting, like depending on how you use hashtags and depending on how many people, when people come to your account, they can see everything in your gallery. So the life of an Instagram post is goes far beyond the life of a tweet. So we put all of our kind of, um, we, we maybe tweet once an, with our posts once an hour. Um, so we have a lot of stuff coming out onto Twitter and the aim of that is to bring back as much traffic as we possibly can. Whereas with Instagram, our aim for that is to make it, look like a good tool that we can utilize and offer as a benefit to brands that want to send us around the world. Yeah. I've, I've, so, so I actually, I've, I've been looking on your page and I do see a couple of brands on there. Uh, great global adventure, I think is one of them. Yep. Uh, but, but you're very subtle about it. And, um, I'm just, the reason I, I mean, I'm so I keep asking you all these questions because I'm just curious, like, uh, I've been building up Instagram as well. And I know a lot of people have been uh, having great success, you know, driving leads and uh, traffic through sites like Instagram. And uh, I haven't done any promotion at all, and I'm just kind of wondering what a good uh, way to do it would be. Uh, and I know that a lot of people, like some people, they, they offer, like you can pay them, and, and they will uh, put your, they will post on Instagram for you to their audience. Yeah, so like in terms of growing out Instagram, like I haven't had a lot of, I've I tried the, the advertisement option on Instagram once, and it didn't really work that great. Um but in terms of building the audience on Instagram, using like proper hashtags to get your photos noticed is a great is a great idea. So I know a lot of these things are kind of like people have polarizing um, opinions on them. I guess whether you use thirty hashtags or whether you should only use one, or whether you um, should be doing follow unfollow, or whether you should not. Um, a lot of people's ideas on how to grow your Instagram are very different. But in terms of us, we use a lot of hashtags, or we try to at least. Um, on as many photos as we can. Um, also trying to get noticed by other accounts um, to have them feature you, like you said. So if you can get your photo featured on an account that has 100,000 followers, a lot of them are going to jump over to you and you do that by using hashtags. So for instance, we've had a couple of photos on Instagram sent out by the Australian tourism account um, because you tag hashtag see Australia and anything you tag with hashtag see Australia gives them permission to repost um, and then also we do follow and follow. So we follow a bunch of accounts and then maybe a couple of weeks later you'd unfollow those that didn't follow you back. And that's a more controversial, I guess, strategy for growing your following, but it does work and that's why we do it because ultimately Instagram, ultimately everything I do from this blog is based on business goals. As I said before, if you're building a blog um, with the aim of monetization, everything you do needs to come back to your goal. So if that's a strategy that works and it builds our following and it kind of achieves those business goals, then that's what we do. Yeah, and I know that uh, picking the right hashtags is kind of important. And I, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. Like I just copy and paste uh, the stuff I see. How do you pick some of these? Because uh, you have some interesting ones like Destinavo, uh, Nat Geo Travel. Uh, yes, that's, um, well, it's travel pretty much... Once again, it's pretty much just doing a little bit of research and kind of identifying big accounts that you want to be featured by. So, for instance, with the Nat Geo um, hashtag, if you jump over to the Nat Geo, um, I guess, Instagram page, um, a lot of these big accounts will say in their bio, like, tag your photo with this so we can repost. 
Um, so for instance, Travel Channel has that. So I think like sometimes you'll see we hashtag Travel Channel. Um, and that's so that hopefully they'll see the post in their hashtag feed and then repost it for us. So it's kind of just identifying really big accounts that you'd like to get featured by and seeing if they have a brand hashtag where they repost photos. And also you can identify, I guess, people like big players within your niche and see what hashtags they're using. So it just takes a little bit of research, I guess, to start with. And then as you keep going along, if you kind of spot one that you can add, just kind of tweaking it as you go along. Gotcha. So you're just, you're just looking, using Instagram search and just finding who the, the biggest uh, players are and that, who the most popular accounts are? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Very cool. So I've, I've learned a lot. Uh, every time I talk to you, I learn uh, something new. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Happy so, to share. So thank you, Megan. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, we've been kind of jumping over around on a lot of different topics here. Uh, I'd like to ask you... Um, What's your advice for people? You know, I mean, you probably get a bunch of questions. What kind of questions do you get asked often and what's your best advice that you like to give to people? I guess, like, it depends whether you're looking, like, we, obviously we get a lot of travel questions and then we get a lot of, like, the lifestyle questions as in how do you pursue this lifestyle. And I guess the biggest thing would be that if you're looking to start an independent location lifestyle and if you're looking to start a blog, the biggest thing is to be realistic about the amount of effort and the time that it does take because, as I mentioned at the beginning, it is one of those businesses where you have to put in the time before you can see any of the rewards and before you can start generating an income. So I think the biggest thing is to be realistic that starting a brand isn't something that's going to happen for you overnight because you do need to put in that effort to build an audience and build traffic and build like a base that advertisers would be interested in advertising with kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think the biggest thing is just to be realistic and then to set out your goals from the start and everything you do should move towards those. Was there ever a time when you felt frustrated? Like you felt like it wasn't working? Yeah, all the time, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> the thing is to keep the, if you keep, if you have a goal and you keep that in mind, like you'll get, that'll get you through the frustrating parts and like setting up the website from scratch when I had no idea about code. I still don't have any idea about coding, but like trying to set up a website it, when you're completely new to it and you're, you're teaching yourself as you go along, basically it's a lot of trial and error. And like a lot of the time I did want to just like smash my computer with a hammer. Um, but I think <laughs> when you get that breakthrough, that's the reward for like all of the frustration and like, because when you like break through and you finally like achieve something and you finally get something, it's this like most, exciting feeling because you've achieved it and you've actually broken through something and you feel like you've really, yeah, I guess achieved something. I just said that like three times, but <laughs> yeah. So I think um, that breakthrough when you finally do kind of, it's a challenge. And when you do finally win that challenge, that's the reward for all of kind of the frustrating trial and error and all that kind of stuff. And it does get easier as you go along. Uh, you mentioned achieve several times. You mentioned breakthrough. I'm trying to imagine Meg doing her happy dance. Uh, <laughs> after one of these victories. <laughs> No, I, remember... I think like the first time, the first time my website like crashed, crashed. I thought I'd lost the whole thing, and I just went into this like depressive state for that whole afternoon, and just like sat in bed and like just didn't do anything else because oh, you'd put so much work into it, and then this thing just like crashes, and you're like, ah. I know the feeling. Like I, you feel like you just want to like hide under a rock or something. It's like I don't want to, or I don't want to leave bed, you know, because nothing's working. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and things just go wrong, and you have these issues with technology, but uh, you get through it, right? You do. And the thing I've learned is that when you're starting out, it's very easy to look at someone else's website who might be more established than you or whatever and 
look at that and go, holy crap, like I'm never going to get to that. I'm never going to be that. Like, why do I even bother? It's very easy to fall into the, um, I guess, pattern of like jealousy over other people's websites. But the biggest thing I learned is not to compare yourself, not to compare your beginning to someone else's middle or to someone else's kind of like end game. And the fact that like it's actually very, very hard to make it look easy. So all of those websites might look fabulous, but they've all gone through the same thing that you're going through now. They've all been at the very point that you are now. So don't compare your, your start to somebody else's middle. And that's probably the biggest thing that I can, I guess, depart apart to people. Yeah, blogging is definitely a slog, and uh, to those who have made it, you know, they've, they've definitely paid their dues, I think, uh, <laughs> from what I have yeah. conversations I've had. So what's next for you? I mean, you have a lot of uh, exciting adventures planned that you told me about. Anything that you can, can share with us? Yeah, like we've actually, so as you mentioned, we've been traveling full-time for kind of four years. We're actually very excited that we've now returned to Australia and we've now set ourselves up with a base to travel from. So we're kind of enjoying more of a slower lifestyle change, I guess, where we take a couple of trips. Um, So we might take like a three-week trip every couple of months and then come back to a home base, which is actually a really nice change of pace after kind of four years of being on the road. So we're enjoying a little bit more of a laid-back lifestyle and enjoying the opportunity to kind of explore Australia because a lot of people like will be overseas and everyone goes, oh, I've been here in Australia and I've been here in Australia. Have you been there? And we're always like, no, sorry. <laughs> like, no idea. I haven't explored my own country. I've like gone to every far corner of the globe, but I haven't explored my own backyard. So yeah, we're um, looking forward to over the next um, couple, I guess the next couple of years, maybe probably just staying, sticking to a base as opposed to full-time travel, um, exploring a lot of Australia and using that as a base to get through Asia because we haven't really done any of Asia yet either. So, mm. do, you, do you feel that your long-term goals have been changing over the years and as far as where you want the, uh, your brand to go? I think everyone's long-term goals change. Yeah. Like as the years go by and as they evolve. Um, yeah, like when we started, it was the blog was more of an idea of just if we could, if it could possibly help us prolong our travels, if it could possibly earn us a little bit of money, that'd be awesome. And now it's a full-time income. So I guess it's definitely changed from that perspective. And I'm sure it will change again uh, further down the road. It's just kind of a part of life. Like we have certain, I guess, stages in our life and they, they're there to, they're there for, I guess, that stage. And then you evolve into something else. Well, best of luck, Megan. I have no doubt that uh, whatever you set your mind to, you'll be very successful at it. And thank you for always being so generous with your time every time I chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And, um, and if, if someone wants to get in touch with you, they can check out their, your website, mappingmegan.com. Uh, where are some other places they can go to find you online? Um, pretty much any other the social media under the sun um we've tried to be as everywhere as possible so yeah um just type in mapping megan the branding is pretty consistent across the board so instagram facebook twitter stumble upon youtube pinterest tumblr um yeah the work so um if you want to get in contact with me too there's a there's a contact form on our website so feel free to shoot us any questions that anyone might have what, what can they expect uh if they visit your blog or what, what would you want them to what kind of content would you want them to engage with or uh, yeah, we have. Um, so our website has been set up where we have an interactive map on our homepage, mm-hmm. and that gives people the option if they want to just kind of click around and see where we're at. I actually haven't updated that for a while, so it's kind of old adventures. Um, <laughs> but then if you click on the blog um, in our main menu bar, we have a really big black menu bar at the top, 
and there's a blog. Um, you can click on blog and that's got all of our latest posts. Um, you can scroll around. There's categories there for kind of videos, adventure, travel, um, guest blogs that we might have. So yeah, um, you can also use the search bar to search for anything. I think we have like 900 posts up now. It's a bit crazy. So 900. Wow. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) And you guys have a lot of of great photos too. Thank you. Yeah. So go, go check it out. uh, Mappingmegan.com and be inspired. This is Meg Gerard. Thank you again so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care.